Welcome into the Wednesday Bible Study. Uh, I'm Rick Burgess, uh, co-host of the Rick and Bubba Show and director of themanchurch.com. Uh, we are coming to you from the Rick and Bubba Broadcast Plaza and Teleport, the studios here. We've been doing this Bible study for about seven years now, and if you're new to this, uh, we welcome you and we thank you for joining us. Most every Wednesday, uh, there'll be a brand new Bible study that uh, that goes out. We have gone through multiple uh, different series. Some are just expository uh, studies through word for word, uh, you know, chapters uh, and books of the Bible. You can find those. Uh, we also, uh, from time to time, like right now, we'll go through uh, a, a book. Uh, we'll go through a certain topic. Uh, you're joining us uh, in the third session of, of a new series that we're we're doing. We we we've done all three of these, uh, but uh, but this is uh, the last book, a 40 day devotional in a series from themanchurch.com in our series called How to Be a Man. Isn't that the question? Because this this started as a men's Bible study. I know there are women who catch it every week, and you're cer- certainly welcome to be here. Uh, but at the foundation, this still is a men's Bible study. Uh, and the topic we're on right now is discovering what it means to be a disciple. Uh, this comes from the concept that in the, the New Testament, the word Christian appears three times, uh, the word disciple 250 times. Uh, Jesus didn't say go make Christians or go make converts. He said go make disciples. He said, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. So uh, this word disciple is a word that we see quite a lot, but it's not really a word that we use very often. And I think some of that may be is, what, what is this? What, what does it mean to be a disciple? And we've been walking through this. Uh, the first uh, week was, uh, if you're a disciple, that means you've been transformed by Christ. Uh, we, we, we did a Bible study on that. Uh, the second that we did last uh, a week before uh, two weeks ago, before the uh, the week I was on vacation, a disciple surrenders to a gospel-centered life. Uh, and today, we'll be talking about disciples hunger to know God. Uh, so and there, there's going to be eight concepts uh, that we'll be going through. Uh, and uh, and these devotionals can be found at themanchurch.com uh, by going to our store. We have a 40-week curriculum for uh, churches and for community groups, but we also have 40-day devotionals that are for individual men. And every one of these that I'm holding up at the camera, so if you're listening online, I'm holding up one of the 40-day devotionals. Any of the three from the How to Be a Man series, for you dads out there, there's a student version of this too, so you can actually disciple your uh, your sons. Uh, y'all can go through it together. There's a student version, and all the student version really means is different examples but the same scriptures. Uh, if you want to know what's going on with themanchurch.com, uh, this week, uh, Scott Dawson uh, we'll be out speaking at First Baptist Church Opelika. That's a man church coming up on July 8th, uh, this Thursday, if you're listening to it on uh, this uh, uh, Bible study on the actual week, which would be this is July the 7th that we're doing this. So tomorrow uh, there'll be First Baptist Opelika. They're in the second 40-week curriculum from themanchurch.com, and he'll be speaking at their man church coming up uh, on Thursday. And then as you start looking ahead, uh, July the 18th, I'll be at Orange Beach United Methodist Church. They're kicking it off. I'll be at their man church coming up on July the 18th. Uh, I'll be going to Decatur, Alabama, uh, man church coming up on the 24th of July uh, on that Saturday night, and then I'll be staying and have the honor of preaching to the entire church that Sunday morning on the 25th. Um, August 6th, uh, I'll be at Mount Zion Baptist Church in Huntsville, Alabama for their man's event, uh, and also August 12th, man church. Uh, this is another church that's doing our curriculum, First Baptist Church, Athens, Alabama. And also make a note that Sherry and I, my wife Sherry, will be together doing a marriage conference with Shane and Shane, who will be in concert after we're done, on August the 14th at Olive Baptist Church in Pensacola, Florida. 
Uh, I just got the count on how many slots they still have left for couples. We're, we're, they have less than 100 slots left now uh, before it'll be sold out. So if you and your husband or you and your wife want to come and join us, uh, you'll have the weekend in Pensacola pretty much to yourself. Sherry and I will do two sessions on a Saturday afternoon and then Saturday evening, Shane and Shane will be in concert and your ticket includes that concert. So if you want to be with us uh, or you want to participate with any of these things I just mentioned, go to rickandbubba.com under upcoming events, go to burgessministries.com under events, or go to themanchurch.com and look at events there if you only care about the manchurch services. So let's open up in a word of prayer and let's jump right in. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to be together. Uh, we're excited about unpacking your word and taking on this call uh, to be a disciple. Uh, and Lord, we, don't, we do not take this lightly. Uh, Lord, we do want to say a couple of special prayer requests today for, for here locally for, for men that actually have participated or currently participate in this, uh, uh, this Bible study in the room every Wednesday. I want to pray for Tommy Finley, uh, who's been with us uh, for the last couple of years. He just had a heart attack over the weekend, and I, I know they've put some stents in, and he's recovering well, but we want to say a special prayer for him. Uh, also, Todd Geralds, who's a dear friend of mine from childhood, who has a big interview coming up today. Lord, I pray that uh, if this is a door that you're opening for him, that you'll open that door. And uh, just a special prayer on all the men that are represented here in the room uh, and, and the various needs um, that, uh, that we find in the families uh, that are represented here. And Lord, I pray that you will be honored and glorified as we unpack your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so if you have, a, if you have your copy of this devotional, uh, no, no requirement to do that because I'm going to walk through these things with you. Uh, you can go into these daily devotionals here, and there's going to be things that the authors, we have eight different authors in this particular one, uh, and each author took on a different topic. Uh, the first one Andy Blanks wrote that we did uh, uh, when we started the series. Uh, the one we did uh, two weeks ago, that was Rich Wingo wrote that one. And today Chad Poe, if you have the devotional, uh, Chad wrote um, uh, this next topic about what it means to be a disciple. But I'm just going to take the scriptures and kind of talk about it in a unique way. Some of the stuff I say you can find uh, if you read the devotional, but I don't want you to think this could completely replaces a devotional because it doesn't. Uh, we're taking five days and we're putting it into one Bible study. Uh, so this is um, the characteristic that, that a disciple hungers to know God. What does this mean? Uh, if, if, you're, if you're really a disciple, um, you know, Jesus talks about this all the time. He said, really, if you want to know who my disciples are, just look at the way they live. And, and, and a disciple is, 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 has abided in me, is so connected to me because they've denied self. Uh, they have, they have, they have uh, become a new creation, as we talked about the first week. Now, whatever our name is, like Rick the disciple, now becomes Rick in Christ. Uh, it's not a better version of me. Uh, I'm completely dead, and it's now who I am in Christ. And so if that is the case, then there should be a hunger for us to know God. I, I just... Uh, I just had a lunch with a guy this week, um, and and we were talking about, um, you know, wh wh where does this desire come from? And and I said honestly, I, I came to the conclusion that if I didn't really have a desire uh, to know God, and I didn't have a desire for the things of God, it could be because I don't know God. And you know that, that now that rolls back to the last series that we had because to know God and to experience God, to to truly experience redemption. And, and if Jesus makes us fully righteous, and Scripture says that he does, he doesn't make us partially righteous, he makes us fully righteous, 
which means there should be a righteousness that comes from him, not us, that flows from us. And so what we have to do is ask ourselves, is, 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 this, is this us? But, but we, we, we also have to be very careful that we don't um, find ourselves not doing anything. Now, I'm not talking about we can't do anything to save ourselves. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But we know uh, that um, like when we get to the, um, uh, the characteristic of holiness, that's going to be coming up later. And you think about the writer of Hebrews, and he says oh, what, that we strive for holiness, for without holiness no one will, will, will inherit the kingdom of God. You know, so that what does strive mean? That is making a move. You've heard me use this example before, uh, that when you look at the Hall of Fame of faith, the saving faith, because we are saved by grace, but through what? Through faith. And sometimes we leave that part out. You hear me talk about that a lot. You hear people talk about grace a lot, but you don't hear people talk about faith that much. Yeah, I'm saved by grace, and we are. But we're saved by grace through what? Faith. And, and faith means that I, t- I take every amount of faith in myself, and I now place that on Christ. I transfer all authority to him. Well, that is going to take action. And I'm not talking about action and earning salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about accessing salvation, accessing the righteousness, the power. When Jesus says in John 15, we did our study of John, you abide in me uh, because apart from me you can do nothing. Uh, but but, there ha- but, I, but do I abide in Jesus by just kind of saying, well, I don't really do anything. I don't read his word. I don't, I don't have a hunger for him. I don't pray. Uh, but I know that Jesus is making me fully righteous, and I know that he's just flowing out of me, and I'm just, I, have, I don't have to do anything to access that. Well, Scripture doesn't really say that because Paul says he's working out his salvation, what, with fear and trembling. And, and we'll see some of this today. So if you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, turn to the book, uh, the book of Psalms uh, and go to the Psalms, and let's go to Psalm 63. So, so what's one of the things does it mean to, to hunger to know God. Well, the psalmist is saying this very clearly, um, uh, and this is a psalm of David. Uh, in Psalm 63, if you look at verse 1, listen to this. This, this is what it sounds like uh, to, to hunger to know God. David says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly, underline that, earnestly I seek you. Well, well if you don't have to do anything at all, and there's, there's, no, there's no action involved with anything that we're doing, what, what is he earnest about? Can he just sit there and, and, and this, this relationship with God be what it's supposed to be? Well, apparently not. Because here is David saying, oh, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. That, that also is action. Remember James talking to the, the church in Jerusalem? When James looks out there and he sees sin out in the church body, he said, there's things going on. I don't like how some of you are doing your business. You're still cheating people. I don't like how you treat your employees. I don't, I don't like how this is going. Some of you are not treating uh, the poor the right way. Uh, you come into the church and you think you're important and those that aren't important you don't have anything to do with. And he starts naming all this different sin that's going on. He, and he even says, don't blame it on the devil. Most of this is just your own, your own sinful desires. You're enticed by your own flesh. The devil's not involved in this. You're doing it. And he says what? In, in chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, Therefore submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Come near to God, and he'll come near to you. Submit, resist, come near. Action, action, action. And so this is what David's saying. He said, I seek you. And what did Jesus say? Seek me and you'll find me. Did he say, just sit there and you'll find me? He didn't. Did, did, did Abraham have a saving face because he believed that God told him to go? Or, or what, there was a saving faith when he went. 
Did Abraham have a saving faith when he believed that God wanted him to sacrifice his only son or when he actually started walking up the mountain to do it? Uh, did Noah have a saving faith because he believed God said to build something or was the saving faith when he went 120 years day after day being mocked by everybody doing exactly what God said to do? So that's a saving faith because you truly believe when you actually act, not when you just say something. And, and so this is what... Uh, uh, David is talking about. He said, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And this is what I love so much about this whole process. The more that David seeks God, the more of God he finds. But just let that sit. The more that David seeks God, the more of God he finds. Because God doesn't hide from us. You've heard this saying all the time. I feel like I'm distant from God. Well, he, you moved then. He didn't move. You know, and so, so and, and he says, seek me and you will find me. So David says that, that and I want to ask you a very honest question. It's going to be very difficult, but this is the kind of stuff that, that helps us grow. You know, we're justified once. We're, we're sanctified throughout our life, and then we'll eventually be glorified when we stand before sinless before a holy father made fully righteous by Jesus, and then our flesh will finally be dead. But during this sanctification process, we're working this out. This, this, this call to holiness, this call to righteousness. And so can I ask you this question and just be completely honest? Does this sound like you? I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. It's like it's like I'm it's like I'm thirsty and I'm about to die, and 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 I'm looking for you because you are what I drink. I mean, just be honest. Do you do you have that kind of feeling about knowing God, or do are you continuing this 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 cultural Christianity where you're like, I think I believed enough things I ain't going to hell. See, this this is not a casual relationship. It's not a casual relationship. How many of you have the um, um, Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. Okay. If you don't have it, get it. It, it, it is, and, and look, I, I, I've worked on and been honored to be part of a team trying to do some daily devotionals, and, you know, we got some stuff that I, I think has is, is, is done a pretty good job, but I've never in my life read a daily devotional like Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. Never. I've never had anything, not a, not a daily devotional that, that compares to it. Listen to what Oswald had to say today. It's interesting. I, I, did I tell you that this that, that Oswald Chambers deal, and, and it's not about Oswald Chambers, it's about God working through him. You know, we, we, we wouldn't even have this if his wife hadn't put his sermon notes together. He died in his 30s, and his wife found all of his sermons, and she's like, man, that, that doesn't need to be the end of his ministry in his 30s. And she made sure that we have my utmost for his highest. And so I literally have been able to look at a... a, a a devotional in sermons that were written hundreds of years ago, and it says something to me. Like I'm not talking about like in Scripture. I mean, we know Scripture uh, never dies. I mean, I was literally going to deal with a relationship uh, with a friend one day, and it was not going to be good. And I picked, and I was mad. And I picked up Oswald Chambers, my utmost for for his highest. You know what the first line said? You may be wanting to end a relationship today. And I was like, what? 
But why don't you let God do that because he won't mess it up the way you're about to. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what it said. And uh, so listen to what he said today. All efforts are worth and, and all excellence are difficult. Enter by the narrow gate, we know this, because the, the narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. That's Jesus in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Oswald says, if we're going to live as disciples of Jesus, which is what we're talking about, we have to remember that all efforts of worth and excellence are difficult. The Christian life is gloriously difficult, but its difficulty does not make us faint and cave in. Does it sound like this psalm? It stirs us up to overcome. Do we appreciate the miraculous salvation of Jesus Christ enough to be our utmost for his highest, our best for his glory? God saves people by his sovereign grace through the atonement of Jesus. So we're not arguing against that. And it is God who works in you both to will and, and, and to do for his good pleasure, Philippians 2.13. But the scripture also says this, we have to work it out. That salvation is in our everyday practical living, which is also Philippians 2.12. If we will only start on the basis of his redemption to do what he commands, then we will find that we can do it. If we fail, it's because we have not yet put into practice what God has placed within us. But a crisis, we've seen this, will reveal whether or not we have been putting it into practice. If we will obey the Spirit of God and practice in our physical life what God has placed within us by His Spirit, then when a crisis comes, we will find that our own nature, as well as the grace of God, will stand by us. Thank God that He does not give us uh, I mean, thank God that he does give us difficult things to do. His salvation is a joyous thing, but it is also something that requires, listen to this, bravery, courage, and holiness. It tests us for all we are worth. Jesus is bringing many sons to glory, Hebrews, Hebrews 2.12. And God will not shield us from the requirements of sonship. God's grace produces men and women with a strong family likeness to Jesus Christ, not pampered, spoiled weaklings. <laughs> well, we need to hear that more. It takes a tremendous amount of discipline to live the worthy and excellent life of a disciple of Jesus in the realities of life. And it is always necessary for us to make an effort to live a life of worth and excellence. Is that what we're talking about? This thing that, that somehow we have this mediocre life that we don't really have to do anything. We just sit around and we believed enough and maybe it's all going to work out and we die. Uh, I, I'm just, I'll say this to you every time I get a chance to get into a topic like this. Brothers and sisters who are watching this, if that's your theology, that's a very dangerous theology. It's very dangerous. Philippians 3, 8-11. So one goal to be approved by God but, but, but you can also have that go and approach it incorrectly. Um, you know, we, we have to understand that, that it's in Jesus, and, and Jesus corrects us because, you know, this, the, the righteousness, if you, if you take this uh, attempt at righteousness and you get it out of whack, you say, well, my attempt at righteousness is going to be through the law. So that's a mistake. Jesus fulfilled the law. And we need to realize that when we get in the new covenant of the New Testament, righteousness doesn't come through the way we can keep the law perfectly in our own power. Our righteousness comes completely through faith in Jesus. 
because he's the one who makes us fully righteous. Listen to what Paul says when he's in jail and he's writing to Philippi in chapter 3. This is Philippians 3, and this is verses 8 through 11. These are probably verses you've been very familiar with, but, man, they're always good to go back. But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. That's verse 7. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Remember, don't miss that part in Scripture, that that, that this lordship and authority of Jesus. Remember, Remember, for his sake, Paul says, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. Some of you that love the King James Version, if you really want to understand about these things that we may lose in our pursuit of Christ, the King James Version doesn't say rubbish, it says dung. A big old pile of animal dung in order that I have gained Christ and be found in him, listen, this is the key, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and I may share in his sufferings. Well, there's a lot of churches that, that you can't draw a big crowd with that line, can you? Share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And listen to 11. Here, here, here comes that tenacity. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. By any means possible. Hey, Lord, do whatever you got to do, put me in whatever situation you got to put me in to get me right with you. And see, if you start looking at life that way, you know, the things that we do, even the, even the great times when God's, when, it, when you're thinking, what are you teaching me in this? And, and, and the difficult times, what are you teaching me in this? What, what's happening here to draw me closer to you and, and, you know, it's one of the things that my wife said, um, and I thought she said, you know, when, you get it, when you're facing the difficulties of life, and here's Paul in jail, he doesn't know if he's going to survive this. And this is where he starts telling us that to live as Christ, to die as gain, because he says, I finally found myself. If you ever know that's the secret to life, that's it, by the way. If you ever get to the point where you truly live your life as a disciple of Christ, hungering to be in the presence of the Lord, hungering for God, and you say, so the worst thing anything can do to me is kill me, or the worst thing sickness can do to me is kill me, the worst thing that can happen to me today is that I die? Oh, so that puts me in the presence of the Lord? (laughs) Why do some of you live so fearful? If, if, If you're living in sync and abiding in Jesus Christ, what are you afraid of? I mean, that's where that, if you want to know what the key to life is, that's it. That no matter what happens to me today, I'm going to be fine because of Jesus. And um, so, but be careful uh, because, you know, even in Acts 9, we see this correction coming because what happens in Acts 9? Everybody knows what happened in Acts 9? Remember our study of Acts? Who, who encounters Jesus in Acts 9? The very man writing this right now. And what did he think that day? I'm as righteous as you can be. What does he say? He said, I'm a Jew among Jews. I keep the law completely. I'm persecuting this church that is coming against what I think is 
is, is the one and only living God. I don't believe this, this Messiah thing. I don't believe this new church. I'm after this church, and he in his mind said, I am righteous until he met Jesus. So, so he, he, was, he had a righteous view, but it was wrong. It was coming from the wrong place. He thought that righteousness would be achieved through the law, not through faith in Jesus, who's the only one who ever got the law perfect. Does that make sense? And, and you see his change of attitude. And, uh, and the thing that you got to love, especially the men that are watching this or the men in this room, because I know how we are, these personalities that we have, Paul's personality didn't change. It's just these, this skill set that he got from Jesus that he used to persecute the church. He encountered Jesus. Jesus broke him down. Jesus blinded him and told Ananias, go tell him all that he's got to suffer for me. And he took that same tenacity because hey, Paul was good at persecuting the church. So much so that Ananias said, what? I don't want to go see this guy. You do know he's, he's gelling us. He's killing us. And you know what? But, but he said, no, he's going to work for us now. So here is Paul with that same tenacity persecuting the church, now advancing the church. Isn't that great? I mean, that, that, that's, that's what Jesus can do for you if you don't believe that. So... We, we desperately want to be desperate for God, if that, to hunger for God, and we want to think to ourselves, if you hunger for God, it means nothing else quite satisfies. You realize that, that Paul, which you health, wealth, and prosperity people that may be scanning by here, I, I keep waiting on y'all to tell me what Paul keeps doing wrong. Because, man, he gets in all kinds of trouble. He has all kinds of suffering. He can't stay out of jail. He, he, he keeps getting beat up. He, it, I mean, he, he, eventually, they cut his head off. And so, and he's saying that he's going to receive the crown of righteousness right before he gets his head cut off. So he's not saying, I guess I messed up because I didn't have health, wealth, and prosperity. He couldn't even claim the thorn in his flesh to leave. So what's he doing wrong? Nothing. He's getting prepared for heaven. He's getting refined. He's getting strengthened. He's getting totally dependent on Jesus because a lot, there's a lot of Pauls out there that we were pretty, we, you, we've been pretty dependent on ourselves and not dependent enough on Jesus. So you know what God will do to us? And he's done it to me, and he's still doing it. He'll wad you up and make you dependent on him where you ain't got nowhere else to go. He loves you enough to do that. And if you see it that way, you'll embrace it. And that's what Paul's doing here. Whatever happens to me, I'm good because whatever I've lost, I've gained Christ. I got the better end of that deal. And my, my question is to you and me, because this includes me, do we really believe that? And I know we can say that because it sounds cool to say it. I'm saying it with all this conviction. But can we really say that if everything we have, our comforts, our money, our things, were taken from us, and we're sitting in jail with nothing, that we would say that we were still fine because we still had Jesus? Are you really honestly saying, I want Jesus, but I want all this too? I don't know that he's everything I need. He may be some of what I need, but he's not everything I need. I don't know the answer to that in your own life. I'm assessing it in mine right now. Because when you say, I'm in for whatever the Lord calls me to, well, he may just say, okay. I mean, I, I, I laugh at the whole thing we've done with the mantras.com. <laughs> we, we worked so hard on this, and we've been going and going. I've worked on it at my local church forever, and, 
got it ready to go and launched and said, here it is, Lord, this is it. This is what you want me to do. I, I'm all in. And we launch it, pandemic. And you know what I, I, I mean, but thankfully, because I've been through difficulty with the Lord, I just looked at him and said, what are you teaching me? And you know, he's saying, you still with us? You still going to do this? Well, this looks like it's going to be a lot more difficult. Yeah. So that we're going to find out whether you really want to do this or not. Are you really called to this or not? Are you really saying you'll do it? Are you just going to do it as long as it's easy? And I mean, I'm still working out things, rearrange things, trying to get this going, doing this, doing that, trying to move it around, trying to move But you know what? I know that I actually celebrated that because I thought to myself, if it runs too smoothly, God's probably not in it. Because there's no opposition to it. So, so here we are asking ourselves some hard questions about whether we're really a disciple of Jesus. Do we hunger for God? Let's go back to Psalms. Let's go to back to Psalms 11. Psalms 11. And I love this. Do, do you see the Lord when you hunger? Do you see the Lord as your refuge? I mean, do you find refuge in the Lord or do you find the refuge in alcohol? you find refu refuge in porn? you find refuge in, in uh, your kids looking good in front of other people? Uh, you living vicariously through them? Uh, when times are tough, where do you really find refuge? Where do you go to truly be fed and where do you go to truly uh, think to yourself, this is where I belong? And are you willing, which the psalmist is saying here, are you willing to flee from things that are not, are not of God? Because let, let me tell you this, no matter how much comfort our flesh may find in something that is against God, it's the wrong place to be. I mean, it, it's the wrong place to be. I mean, so, somebody, uh, and again, this is not, I don't know the, I know some of the stuff that's been going on with the Southern Baptists. Uh, I mean, I know there's different denominations that watch this, and I certainly do not put my faith in a denomination. I put my faith in Christ. But I know that some people, I do know Ed Litton, who's the new president, and people are like, hey, what do you think about some stuff that's going on with Ed and all this kind of stuff? And I know Ed, you know, uh, uh, pretty well. Uh, and, and so somebody said, what do you think about this guy on YouTube doing all this? I said, well, I got a problem with the YouTube guy right out of the gate. He says, well, you're quick to defend Ed. I said, well, I haven't gotten to, the, I'll call Ed to ask him about this. I'm telling you, that guy's not following Matthew 18. That can't be of God. Why is that guy not contacting God directly? Matthew 18 says, if you've got a problem with a brother, you go see them first. And then if they don't listen, you can bring some other guys, and, and you can sit down with them again. And then, if they continue to do something that uh, they're rebellious about and uh, not repent, then you bring it before the church. You don't start out putting out YouTube videos with somebody you're against in the church. So the minute I saw that, I don't have any faith in that guy. That doesn't mean I'm doubting his salvation. I don't know these people well enough. But if you say, what's your first reaction to this? I say, well, it's not biblical. So my first reaction to something that's not biblical is to flee from it, get away from it. And, and that's what the psalmist is talking about here in Psalms 11. Look at, look at 2. Well, let's, let's start in 1. Really, we should start in 1 here. It says, in the Lord I take refuge. This is another one of, uh, from uh, the choir master of David. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow and have fitted their arrow to, to string to shoot in the dark at the upright in the heart. So when you think about the Lord being your, your refuge, he, he is saying that we flee from any bad influences because he says, Lord, I take refuge in you. And how can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to the mountain? I mean, why about, because you're telling me 
that the wicked have been their bow toward me. They fitted their arrow to shoot me and to shoot in the dark to try to, to try to hit me. And you're telling me I need to go away from that. But look at, look at verse, look at verse five. Because I know when it says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. Look at this. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Well, I, say, I don't hear that all the time, do you? I hear that, I hear that God loves everybody. Have you ever heard anybody? We, now, we went through this in our study of knowing God. We're all children of God. No, we're not. We're all created by God, but only the redeemed are children of God. And does everybody have access? To, does, does he say, the, those of you that are redeemed have access to my love? Yes. But here's the psalmist saying clearly that God tests the righteous, but his, his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence, which means what? We're supposed to as well. He says, I'm testing you to see if you're really righteous. If I'm righteous and I take refuge in the Lord, guess what I hate? Anything that opposes Him in my own life or in the life of others. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't try to reach out to them. It doesn't mean that I give up on them or that I wish them damnation. But I'll tell you what it does mean. I, I hear this all the time. Well, you know, Jesus, Jesus hung out with sinners and did what? Called them to repentance. And says, hey, there's a shot for you not to die in the sin. I, I'm willing to forgive you if you repent. He didn't go in there and say, hey, this is all great. Let's just keep on going like we're going. Well, Rick, Jesus meets you wherever you are. Yeah, but he don't leave you there. Because if he leaves you there, you're going to die and go to hell. It, it's one thing to go in to rescue, and it's another one to go in and stay. And, and, and if, if we have a hunger for God and the Lord is our refuge, then the bar's not, the porn's not, the, the nasty song's not. These horrible people that, 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 that live in rebellion, they aren't. You know, it's one thing to say this is a ministry, this is a, this is a ministry field, but it's another thing to say this, this is my gang, this is who I hang with. Because let me tell you something. You, 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 you put yourself in those situations and become a sin daredevil, you're going to lose. I promise you that. Keep feeding that flesh and stop feeding the spirit and see how your life starts looking. Trust me, I know. Every time that I go flesh, I always go wrong. You better learn, you better learn to take refuge in the Lord and you better learn to look to, to, to everything needs to come through the filter of the spirit. And that spirit needs to be, needs to be fed. Back to Philippians. So we know that to, to hunger for God means that we were desperate for God. It, it means that, um, that we, we, we put all of our trust, that we, we see Him as being the only thing we truly need and to get to the point that He's the only thing that we want. But the psalmist comes back and says also, if you hunger for God, you take refuge in God and you reject anything that opposes Him. Remember, it's not evil, it's not sinful to say to, to, to anybody who opposes God that you, that you are going to stand with God. doesn't mean you hate them. It means you love God. Does it mean you hate that they're opposing God? Yes, it does. It does. I, I find it hilarious that, that we, we live in a country, we live in a country right now that takes one day, one day, 
to recognize people who have given their lives for the good of other people, and we take one month and celebrate sin. A month. I just talked to somebody who's been to Washington, D.C., and they were more rainbow flags in D.C. than they were American flags. And then we turn around and say, God bless us? Are you, are you kidding me? That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You think God needs the United States of America? He doesn't need the United States of America. And if the United States of America or any country opposes him, he'll wipe them out like he has, like he has every other one that has opposed him before. There's nothing special about this country if it opposes God. Same thing's going to happen to anybody that opposes God, any, any country that opposes God. Don't ever think that, you're, that, 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 that we're special. We're, on, we're only as good as we are devoted to him. Period. And, um, and I, I mean, it, it, it's not, you know, it, it, it's okay to, to, to be, have some patriotism about the, 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 your country. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. But when it gets to the point that you start thinking that somehow your country is the country that God really likes, based on what? I mean, certainly there's been some great things, and, and, and we've been allowed uh, you know, some, some liberties, but what, 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 what is the freedom we've been allowed that, that matters the most? The freedom to worship Him. Uh, the freedom to advance the gospel to places that it wouldn't go any other way. And now... We, we, if, th if this country decides that it, it's going to take a different point of view of God, well, he's not going to let that go. He never has. He never has. And, um, and so this is, this is the mindset that we have to understand. Uh, you look at the prophets of the Old Testament. I think about this all the time. How many times when you look at these prophets of the Old Testament, you know, and when you, had a prophet, when you were a prophet and you had a word from the Lord, it was rarely good. And what did he always say about his people? Of course, that would be now the church. What do you say about his people? Do they not? Do they think I don't see what they're doing? They think I don't see this. I don't see them with the Asher poles. I don't see them going after other gods. I don't see them blaspheming me. I see it. I'm omnipresent. I'm omniscient. I'm omnipotent. I see all this. I know all this. You're, you're not getting this by me. And, uh, and then what did, what did he ultimately say? But here's what you need to tell them, whoever the messenger is. Those that oppose you, they don't oppose you. They oppose me. And, and you, you look at his people before, he brings enemies against his own people. You remember, you remember when the Babylonians are coming into Jerusalem and he says clearly through Jeremiah, I'm bringing the Babylonians against you. I am. Hey, I'll deal with them and their evilness if, if, they, if, if, if they continue in the way they are. But right now, I'm going to use them to refine you. And if you stay inside this city and you bunker down in your sin and you don't come out and surrender to them, they're going to kill you. You're going to die in here. And then those of you that come out, you'll be a slave for a while, but you'll live. And I'll work it out and free you again. But you hunker down in here, like we hunker down in our sin, and you're going to die. Remember what he said to Jeremiah, this is a message of life and death. And that's the way we need to see this. If we hunger for God, we hunger to be right with God. 
Back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, uh, chapter 4, I'm sorry, verse 4 through 6. I love this. Kind of the, the, the point that Chad Poe makes here on, on day 4 with Philippians 4, 6, and 7 in the devotional is that God's peace outlasts my understanding. Isn't that a good line? Isn't that great? God's peace outlasts my understanding. Just, just a hunger to be, just to be in the presence of the Lord. I can't tell you how many times that I have gone to run my mouth to the Lord and I finally started listening. And I, I can think of three times this happened to me in a really big way. When I was in a beautiful place and I was alone with God, which is one thing I struggle with. I need to be alone with God more because that's an example that my Savior, my Lord showed me to take time to be alone with the Father and, and to be alone. And I'll start running my list, and I've had three different occasions. There's been some minor ones, but these were major ones where I literally just felt the Lord saying, shh, just be quiet. Just rest in my peace. Just rest here. Let me talk to you. I certainly want to hear everything about you, even though I'm all-knowing. I told you I do hear your prayers, and I want to converse with you. But right now, I need you to be quiet, and you just let me be, and you just rest in me, because my peace will outlast any of your pursuit of understanding. Just to hunger and rest in the Lord. And look what Paul says here uh, in verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Look at the look what look what it says in in five B right before that. The Lord is at hand. Don't miss that part. Can you can can you and I honestly say that we don't need any work on being anxious? Paul says, "Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication." With thanksgiving, let your requests be known, made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let me ask you, as I'm asking myself today, could, 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 could the real reason be that you're so anxious and so fearful and so fretful could the answer simply be is you don't spend any time in the peace of God? You don't rest in God. You don't make that the center of your life. You don't hunger for God. Because Paul says, look, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, there, there, there's that, I, I'm, I'm desperate in supplication, with thanksgiving. When's the last time that you, you just said to God, thank you? I got, I, I'm not going to run my list today, Lord. I just want to say thank you. Does he want to hear our prayers? Yes. Does he want to know our needs? Yes. But how much of that is really thanksgiving? I mean, and today I had a rough night uh, last night. I, I couldn't sleep. I, I struggled last night with sleeping. And uh, I have a job that I have to get up very early for. So you all, you almost panic when you look over and realize, hey, it's getting away from me. I mean, I'm 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 at three hours now. I mean, I, I'm this. Hey, this is this is getting away from me. And you start pressing. And then, of course, once you start pressing, now you can't sleep. And so I was like, well, Lord, I can't sleep. So I, I, let's just 
let, let, let me just let me just sit here and let me listen. And um, I, I, I made a point because I've been studying this. I'm just going to sit here and thank you. That's all I'm going to do. For, for, for right now, I'm just going to sit here and thank you. Now, see, a lot of you go, and I bet you went right to sleep. I never went to sleep again. I slept three hours last night. And am I looking back going, well, yeah, I could have slept seven hours, but I wouldn't have had three hours of laying in the bed just saying thank you and tossing and rolling and saying thank you again and then rolling back over. And, um, and I will tell you something, because of his grace and his goodness, I don't think you'll ever get tired or run out of things to be thankful for. Man, he's done a lot. And there's nothing we can do to repay him. But I tell you what we can do is we can love him. And what did he say we do if we love him? We obey him. He clearly says that. So if you're, if you're still anxious about a lot of things in your life, and look, there's some things that, that are scary. I, I'm not making light of that or acting like it ain't no big deal. Well, that's the problem. It is a big deal, which is why. It's a God-sized problem. <laughs> it, it's not a Rick-sized problem. So maybe I'm anxious because I'm taking a God-sized problem and I'm trying to solve it. Maybe that's what makes me anxious. Because if, if I really am in, 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 in the right, right relationship with God and hungering for him, a lot of that anxiety goes away. And I think about Jesus in John 16, 33. I say this so that you'll have peace in this world. You will face tribulation, but always take heart or always have joy in your heart. And he already said, always be at peace. Why? Because I've overcome the world. It goes back to this again. I mean, I remember when I'm, I know, and I have friends that uh, died of COVID. I'm not making a lot of that. But I can remember when I got it, I thought, well, I don't know how this is going to go. Some people have a real hard time with it. Some people don't. And this was still that time where they hadn't developed all the treatments yet. So you could get yourself in a bind pretty quick. But you know what? When I was just about to get anxious about it, I thought to myself, well, if it kills me, I'm just going to be with him. And, uh, and if it doesn't, it means there's still work he needs from he, he desires for me to do and will empower me to do. And once you kind of get there, what are you going to do to me? And, and some people I know survived it and some people I know didn't. But I promise you, the ones that were with the Lord that didn't survive it, they don't feel like they've missed anything. I promise you that. Now, if you're not right with the Lord, you got problems. you got something to figure. You've you got, you got a lot to figure. So the last point we'll make about... Um, a uh, true disciple hungers to know God. This, this word supplication is going to come back again. And remember supplication, don't forget that. Is it, it just means to humbly beg and plead. It's not, it's not passive. Supplication, you're, you, we're humble, but we're begging and we're pleading. That's what supplication means. That's what this Greek word means that, that uh, Paul is using. And this time he's, um, this is in Colossians. Go to chapter 4 of Colossians. In verse 2, chapter 4, verse 2. And I, and I, I, have, I, I remember a cool moment with uh, one of my sons that just happened. He's got this man in his life now at his new job, which I'm so thankful for. 
who is, uh, has become a man that's joined me in discipling my son, which I love. And he came back to me one day, and he said, man, this guy's a man of God. And I said, well, that's great. I said, well, what, 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 what triggered that? He said, I just had to ride to Atlanta and back with him for something I had to go shoot and edit, and, and, and he was with me. My son works at a church. And he said, I would be in traffic, and I would just look over, and he'd be praying. He said, I mean, we would just, I would look over, if there was ever a time that there was no conversation, I'd look over, and he'd be praying. He'd be praying about us trying to get to where we were on time, or he'd be praying about a, a wreck he saw on the side of the road. And he goes, this guy is continually praying. And, of course, my, mer- my first thought was, well, that's kind of weird. And then, and then I thought, oh, you mean like the Bible says? Uh, because here's what Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Now, that doesn't mean that we get on our face and we pray for you know, 12, 15 hours a day. But I've learned in my life, you know what it does mean? You just always kind of, you don't ever leave God. Have you gotten that point in your life now? I'm not talking about some big now I get on my face again. And I'm talking about like, uh, hey, thank you, Lord. That was, that was, that was, that was, I enjoyed that meal and let's go in the house. We got to do this. The Lord, but you helped me to do this and help me to remember that thing. And, you know, Lord, and this and Lord, you just kind of talk to him. You just, you, you don't ever, st- you don't ever feel like there's a time that he's in, he's, he's on a shelf and you're mo- Hey, enjoyed it today. T- talk to you tomorrow. You know, it, it's not like that, like you would a human relationship. You just don't ever leave that place and you're discussing everything with him. You know, you, you're talking about your, your marriage, if you're married, you're talking about your children, you're talking about your job, you're talking about your health, you're talking about like me with my parents, and you know, you, and you're and you're you're just you're just continually with him. So Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Being watchful in it. That's an interesting statement. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. What does he mean by that? Well, he, he, he's meaning that this is not something that we're doing haphazardly. It's not aimless. Uh, we're, 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 and he says what? Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. We're thankful for the Lord, and we're looking for him to respond. We're looking for what he is trying to teach us. We're looking. We're expecting. We have expectation that this is not just some meaningless conversation. And then he says in three, at the same time, Pray also for us, talking about for you know Paul and his ministry, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear uh, which is how I ought to speak. So here he is saying to us, and Paul is saying to us, think about it, this is the Apostle Paul. And, you know, he's saying, hey, we all pray that I have an opportunity to present the gospel correctly. We, we, you pray that when I speak about our Lord and Savior that I speak correctly, that, that, that I get it right. Uh, make sure that, that I don't speak in a way about this, about our Lord, that I, that in a way I shouldn't speak. And, you know, he, he shows us God wants to hear from us. He, he wants to shape what he hears. I love that. And that he never is exhausted with us. Don't, don't forget Isaiah 40. You know, Isaiah tells us God does not grow weary in any of the ways human beings do. You ever thought about that? You ever been tired? God's not tired. And uh, now when Jesus took on human flesh, he got tired. And he experienced what it was like for us to be tired. 
So now that he's back in his proper place, how about you serve a Lord and a Savior that knows what it's like to be tired? But he's not tired anymore. And God doesn't get weary like we do. God not only wants to, to give his children gifts, he's choosing to hear from us, and that also is one of the gifts that he allows. And it says in, in his word that our prayer is the best way for us to interact with him. Do you hunger to interact with God? Is, 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 do you find yourself too many times going on with something and never even checking with him about it? Man, I, I still do that too much. I don't do it as much as I used to, but I still do it too much. Why in the world am I going into anything without running it through him? Anything. It, 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 I mean, I know, I know people that, I mean, every little thing that is going on in their life, there's nothing that they, that they take lightly and what they should and shouldn't be doing, buying. You know, I, I, I mean, there's so many times I was like, well, that, that's not something. That, why are we thinking about that? Well, God says I'm interested in all of it. So I don't tire the way you do. Don't ever think, you ever thought this? God don't want to hear from me on this again. And I had this hit me the other day. I was like, I pray the same thing for some of my children every day. And I'm thinking to myself, I literally thought that this morning because I was thinking about this lesson. You already know this. I mean, am I, am I wasting your time? I mean, and all I can think about was what time? He doesn't answer the time. He's above time. And, um, and, and I'm working it out. And you know what? You ever seen that? You ever had that even happen with your own children? They're really not asking you for something. They're trying to figure it out. They're just saying it out loud to you. I mean, I never get tired of that, do you? I mean, I'll, you know what I say? I'm here if you need my help. Yeah, you want me to chime in here, or you just you just want somebody to bounce this off of, and uh, and that's and think about that. This is the beginning and the end, and he says to us, his disciples, "I desire to speak with you." This this doesn't get old to me, and 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 I don't know that we. I mean, I know that my prayer life many times. I don't know that I that I stay there like I should. I, I need to remember that, and this in this this word in our English uh, language that, that is supplication, I love to humbly beg and plead. So, do you think on this third thing that we find in our lives that would indicate that we're a disciple, do you look at your life and say that you hunger for God? Do you hunger to know God? Are you satisfied with all you know about God? Or is there a hunger and a burn that says, Reveal yourself to me in your time. I want to know everything about you. And, 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 and there's nothing in this world that draws me quite like you do. And for those of you that maybe haven't gotten there and, or maybe you're like me, you're in the process of getting there. Uh, and, of course, some of you have already further down the road on that. Um, whatever that category you're in, let me just save you trouble if you haven't made that decision yet. Don't you think you've tried the things of this world enough? How, how, how many more times are they going to leave you unfulfilled? How many more times are they going to make a mess till you start thinking to yourself, all of this is nothing compared to what it's like to hunger to know God. Spend time on something that really matters. And the disciples... This is something for us that should come naturally. It should be a yearn for us. Let's pray.
Lord, thank you for today. And we do hunger to know you. We do hunger to, uh, to be with you. Forgive us for when we are distant because we know that you are not. Even in those times that uh, when, when, when we, we're not even sure that we can even sense that you're with us, that you are. And, 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 and you are just one prayer away. And, and may this be something that, um, that we place at the center of our life and everything flows through you. Thank you, Lord, for the grace and mercy that you've afforded us. Thank you uh, for doing for us that we could not do for ourselves. Lord Jesus, thank you for making us fully righteous. And may your righteousness be evident in our lives. And if it's not, may we be not, not be too proud to ask a difficult question. Do I really know you? Because to know you is to love you. To love you is to seek you. To seek you is to find you. To find you is to fall in love with you to a, uh, even a larger degree. And then to truly love you is to obey you. And we lay this down at your feet. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you next week, Lord willing.